you got your Bibles, go with me to Hebrews chapter 5. You awake this morning? You happy this morning? Excited to be in church this morning? The 9 a.m. was a little foggy this morning. They were a little foggy. We got them warmed up, but they were a little foggy. So hopefully, it's like almost 12 now, so you should be good, all right? And uh, hopefully you got your coffee. But Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through to 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. It's on the screen if you don't have your Bible this morning or your smartphone. But it says this, about this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Everybody shout dull. 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 For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food, everybody shout solid food. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This morning, as we continue on in our series, Meat Eaters, I want to speak to you from the subject, the anatomy of a meat eater. The anatomy of a meat eater, as we look at the implications of maturity in different areas of our lives. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's powerful, that it's active. God, I thank you for these amazing people that make up the church. Not these four walls, not the carpet, not the, the flooring, but people that are redeemed by your grace, that are knit together, and when the whole body is working together, your purposes for this generation are accomplished. And so I pray that you would do that this morning, that you would unify us underneath one banner, the banner to which is above every other thing in this world, and that is your name. Would you unite us underneath your name? May your name be glorified this morning. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. Um, this series has been a, a, a difficult series for me to, to work through. Um, and, and the reason for that is, is because many times issues, uh, things that, that cause growth, have a tendency to really cause battle internally. I don't know if you've ever been there, but when you're going through a growth or a maturity process, personally, how many of you know it gets awkward sometimes? Yeah, it gets, it gets uncomfortable uh, sometimes. And, and this series, I know for many of us, uh, maybe who are needing to, to come into church on a Sunday morning and I need hope, I need joy, I need peace, I need all those things, and we're talking about maturity, it can be kind of this like, I don't want to grow right now, but I want to encourage us to keep growing, all right? And to keep pushing into what God has for you, for our marriages and for our relationships and, and for our life in general. And that's what this series has been about. But the other reason that it's been a difficult series for me is all the distractions involved with it. Mainly lions, okay? I love lions. When, when Pastor Justin showed me the trailer, how many of you like that trailer, that, like the bumper? It's such a cool trailer. And when he sent it to me, I watched it, I, I sent him a text back, and I was like, dude, I love this. And he's like, oh, good, because I thought you were going to hate it. And I was like, wait, how, why would you, if a, a lion is in slow motion, I'm going to love it. Like, that simple <laughs> as that. We'll do it for every bumper that we have, okay? <laughs> What's this next series? Who knows? But it has a lion in it, so it's awesome, right? And so I've had the privilege of being able to study lions for the past little while. And uh, it's been kind of fun. It's been distracting in some ways because I just get sucked in to some of the study that I do. And lions, how many of you like lions? Like if, if it's in the zoo um, or on a safari or just in your backyard, how many of you know that would be an awesome moment, right? <laughs> and, and so I've been able to study them a little bit and look at them. And, and uh, I was studying, reading the other day, 
about the maturing process of a lion. As a lion is a cub and is growing into, into its maturity, is maturing to its full, full size, there's some areas of the lion that are actually really important. Ears, eyes, mouth, and paws are extremely important on a lion. Yes, every part of a lion is important to the lion, right? Just like every part of us, like we really like every part of us. One goes missing, there's probably a problem, okay? But the fact of the matter is, is that as a lion cub matures into a lion, its ears, its eyes, its mouth, and its paws develop uh, with great importance. Why? So it can become the hunter that it was meant to be. More specifically, so that it can survive in the context that it finds itself in. And I think maturing for us is very much the same thing. Is that as we grow in our faith, as we grow in life and faith, there's some things that are a part of our life that need to mature. Why? So that we can survive in the context that God is placing us in and we can be everything that he's called us to be. How many of you think that sounds like a pretty good plan? survival in our context and becoming everything he's called us to be. Two very, very positive things in our life. So that's what I want to deal with this morning. We're going to be looking at some things that maturity deals with. I want to look at some areas of our life that maturity has some profound effects upon as we mature in our faith. Four areas this morning. I need you to shout number one for me. Number one, the first area is this. Maturity sharpens our ears. Maturity sharpens our ears. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 says this. About this we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Here's a question for all of us. I hope you're writing this down if you're taking notes this morning. What and who are you listening to? Here's another question. What and who are you not listening to? Equally important question. See, many of us are listening to the wrong things, the wrong people, and as much as we are not listening to uh, the right people and the right things potentially. You ever been there before? You ever find yourself listening or receiving input from the wrong places, the wrong things, maybe the wrong people, and ignoring many times the right things, the right people, the, the right stuff that we need to allow into our, have you ever been there before? And this is the question that we're asking, is maturity sharpening your Ears. See, the Bible tells us the recipients of this letter were dull in hearing. Notice the Bible uses the term dull, not deaf. And that's an important thing for us. How many of you know? Come on, quick question for you. How many of you know dull and deaf are two very different things? Right? I know, it got deep in church this morning. <laughs> dull and deaf. And it's interesting to me, as, I, as I've read this scripture many, many times, why didn't the writer use deaf? Because death signifies that they weren't hearing anything at all. Dull signifies that they were hearing some things, but not everything. In other words, is it possible that maybe they were prone to selective spiritual hearing? Maybe they were hearing what they wanted to hear. You ever done this before? I, I hear what I want to hear, but I also ignore what I don't want to hear. You ever been there before? Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about? Right? Come on, show of hands. How many parents do we have in the house? How many people want to be parents one day? There's like four people raise their hands. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> parents know this. I can, I, can, I can in my house go, hey, Justice, Shiloh, time to clean rooms. Because we're trying to teach them that mom and dad don't clean their rooms. It's their stuff. They clean their rooms. And if it's on the floor, we just burn it. And so um, that's not really what we do. Like, Your corporal punishment's weird. So... 
So we try to teach them, hey, it's time, hey guys, it's time to clean your rooms. And we'll, and we'll go in there. And how parents, you know what I'm talking about? They're not cleaning the room, right? They're building something or playing something. Did you hear me when I said clean your room? Yeah, Dad, I heard you. Wait, what? Four times, five times we'll try to do it. How many of you know I could stand out in the living room and go like this? Guys, we have candy. And they'll be down the hall in the living room. How did you hear that? Why? Because they ain't deaf. <laughs> Just dull of hearing. And I think that's what the writer's really trying to get at. Is that we've got we've to allow maturity to sharpen our ears, meaning that we hear a lot more. See, deaf speaks to not hearing at all. So it makes sense as to why someone who can't hear would live and behave a certain way. However, being dull of hearing means that one can hear, but in many cases, only what, want, what they want to hear. See, maturity sharpens our hearing, meaning that we are fully attentive to the voice, the instruction, the correction, and the reproof of the Word of God. There are a lot of people that have only heard what they want to hear. Come on, can I, can I be challenging this morning? There's many times when we open up this word and we only hear what we want to hear. And that's a dangerous place to be in. See, we've got to be people that allow maturity to sharpen our ears so that we can hear everything that we need to be hearing. Fully mature people, people who are maturing in their faith and in life, allow themselves to listen and hear everything. If we're going to be the church, and I'm not just talking about the well, but I'm just talking about the church in general in the world. If we're going to be the church that God's called us to be, we have to learn to hear. I think one of the reasons that the church is losing its effectiveness in the world is because we're too busy not listening. Come on, somebody. We're too busy not listening. We've got to be the church that's listening, ears open, so that we can be attentive to what the world needs, so that we can engage our cities, so we can engage our workplaces, so we can engage in such a way that we bring hope and healing and life to the world around us. Maturity sharpens our ears. Listen to Romans 10, chapter 14 through 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed that he has heard from us? Verse 17, this is what I want you to hear. So faith comes, come on, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. It's a powerful scripture. I love that scripture. Many of us, I've talked to many people, I've had many coffees centered around this concept. Jason, I've never heard the voice of God. And if I'm really honest, i got to say, I, don't, I, I can't put a card on, like, yeah, I've heard the audible voice of God, but man, every time I open up this word, it's funny, I hear his voice. Why? The word of God. <laughs> right? His voice is not as distant as we so many times perceive it to be. We can hear from God. Just crack open the word. Crack open the word. 
I was reading my Bible, not my Bible, my kid's Bible, to him the other day, uh, night when we do bedtime. Uh, Erica goes into Shiloh's room, who is our daughter, and she reads this um, frilly pink devotional Bible thing with, uh, with Shiloh. And then we bust out uh, Justice's uh, Bible, and I, and I read it with him. And the other night, no joke, it was, it's children's Bible. I'm reading through it. It's easier vernacular. It helps him learn how to read. He can start doing it. And I'm reading in this thing, and all of a sudden, as I'm reading this, this scripture to him, God speaks. I came running out of the bedroom to Erica, no joke, and I was like, I'm reading this to Justice, and I got an idea for a message. God drops something in my, in my heart, and I'm sitting there with my son. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. And he's like, <laughs> it's the simplest of things, the simplest of what, and God will speak to you. Why? Because maturity sharpens our ears. Maturity, if it's happening in us, it's, it's causing, we're hearing more. We're hearing more. And so the first thing that we need to understand about maturity is it sharpens our ears. Second thing, every shot number two? Number two, maturity opens our eyes. Maturity opens our eyes. Psalm 119, 17 through 18. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I love that. That, that should be our prayer every time we open his word. Open my eyes. Open my eyes because there's always something. And I get it, man. I've been in here. There's still moments. Yes, even as, as, as a pastor, just because I'm a pastor doesn't make it that I know everything. There's moments where I read this thing and I go, what are you talking about? And so i got to do my due diligence and try to figure it out and explore things. But guess what my prayer many times is this. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. That I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Behold, it's a wow statement. To behold something. Wow! To open my eyes and see greater things in God's word. How many of you have hiked the Delicate Arch before? Hiked to the Delicate Arch in Moab? How many of you have ever been to Moab before? Okay, Mo a, lot of, a lot of people in here. It's, be it's beautiful, isn't it? We went there last week. My mom was in town. And so after service, we took off for a quick two-day just to show my mom some of the sights and spend some time with her. And, and it was absolutely amazing. So we get down to uh, do this delicate arch hike, which whoever did the sign, they're a liar. And <laughs> it's not a mile to the arch, right? Especially with children. It's not a mile. It's 18 miles. And so... We start the hike, and we're doing the whole thing, and, and we get to this area where it gets really, really narrow just before you're around, like just before you round the corner to see the delicate arch and all of its beauty and splendor, all right? But just before that part, there's this little area, that, this, this rock hill that you can climb up a little bit, and there's a window through the rocks that you see the delicate arch in the entire valley and the LaSalle Mountains in the back snow-capped and the storm had moved through and so I got up to this thing and was looking through this window and it was almost like a picture shot for me of the arch and this big wide open red rock valley and the mountains in the background and some clouds and bright blue skies and I was just like, wow! And there's this guy standing behind me. He's like, pretty beautiful, huh? And I was like, it's amazing. He's like, you want me to take your picture? I'm like, what did you? <laughs> Kids, stay down there. 
And then I went, yeah, I do need you to take my picture, actually. <laughs> and I grabbed my daughter, and I had her come up, and, and we were looking through, and we're looking at everything out in, the, out in the distance. And it was beautiful, absolutely amazing. Behold! I was beholding God's handiwork. You ever been there before? You ever been in a behold moment, and you just look across the valley, you look across our world, you, look, you see some of the pictures that you see, and you're just like, wow! And he made this, why? Because he could? I mean, think about that. Like, I don't know how we get there. I love science, and I, well, I don't like math, but I get the point of it, okay? And so... But I know that math and science actually are supposed to lead us to God. But I don't know how we arrive at, like, I'm a little amoeba, short and stout, tip me over, and things just pop out. Like, I don't know how we get there. Because when I think, when I, when I look across what God's great creation, I don't see bang, bang, oh, no, no. I see a beautiful handiwork of intentional design where God sat back and he, and he said, oh, I'm going to draw this. And oh, I cannot wait till they get to stand out in the pitch dark and look up and see the stars that they cannot count. And it just shows the glory and the splendor of who God is. Why? Because he's a behold God. Behold. Gotta behold. Maturity opens our eyes. Because immaturity can cause us to look at something and go, okay. <laughs> Let me illustrate it this way. You ever talk to two different people about the same thing and they view that same thing two very different ways? You ever done that before? Coffee shops are my favorite place to be. I love coffee, okay? And I go to coffee shops to drink coffee and talk with people. <laughs> and many times I'll get into conversations with people, and the, the conversation will go a little like this. So like, I'll ask them how they are and what they're doing and what do they do, and then they ask me, like, what do I do? Hey, wh what do you do? I have two answers. One, I lie, and I say that I'm a counselor. And the reason I do that is because most times when I say I'm a pastor, people don't want to talk to me anymore. So I figure it's an okay lie in Jesus' eyes. And so, <laughs> as long as it gives me one chance. <laughs> right? So, um, but for the most part, so you know, like I try to keep it, you know, character integrity based. So that's like 20% of the time I lie, okay? <laughs> the rest of the time I tell them the truth. <laughs> I'm a pastor. And so they go, oh, you're, you're a pastor. Oh, well, what does that mean? And uh, so... I tell them I'd stand on stage on the weekend, I yell at people, and, and so it's, uh, it's good. And, and they go, uh, why did you come to Salt Lake? It's the next question. Well, to plant a church. And we talk about the planting church. And then this is the very question, every, every time, every single time. Why Salt Lake? <laughs> and then I tell them the behold story. <laughs> and how God, and, uh, and all this other stuff. And they look at me, and I'm like, you, you, you like Salt Lake? No, I cannot wait to get out of Salt Lake. Right? They don't, they look at me like I'm strange because of how I, I love this place. It's, a, it's amazing how two people can look at the same place and see it totally different. We have an eye issue. We have an eye issue. And I think for many of us, going back to man, what the church could be in the world around us if we would open our eyes. 
And I think many of us can, can get trapped at viewing the world around us a certain way and seeing it a certain way. And so we, we, we hide and we, we withdraw and we, we lock down. And God's saying, no, no, let me mature your heart. Let me open your eyes so that you can see what it is I see. So you can see the beauty of the city that you're in. So you can see the people of the city that you're in. So when you have open eyes, you will run with force into everything that I'm calling you to. I think some of us need to open our eyes in our marriages. Some of us just view it as a marriage, a contract between, between two people instead of a covenant between two people. And we view it differently. When I view my family, when I view my wife, I, I behold that thing. Why? Because there's more to it than meets the eye. Maturity opens our eyes. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 through 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Here's a question for you about our eye. Are you critical? Do your eyes automatically see things in a critical light? It's amazing how many people see things this way. See, if you have a critique for everything that you see, you may have an issue with your eyes. See, maturity develops the distance that you need in order to see. Instead of a limited and myopic sight, those who are maturing have the ability to see broader and with fuller range than those who are not maturing. I want to push this issue because I think it's really, really important for us. Parents again. How many parents in here have had the moment, and I'm talking to the parents because it just makes it really easy. You've had the moment where you say what you told yourself you would never say that your mom said. <laughs> Knows what I'm talking about, right? How many of you have had that moment before you go, oh, that's what they meant. I get it now. Why? Because your eyes have been opened to something new. Maybe you used to be an employee of a certain boss and then you became that boss, but as an employee you had critique and you had different ways that it could have been done and should have been done, and then you became the boss and you went, oh. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning? We've had some eye issues in our lives before. I know when I became a senior pastor, when I was a young adults pastor or a youth pastor, there were some moments where in all honesty you'd be like, what's he thinking? doesn't make sense. And my pastor was here a couple weeks ago, right? And I'd be, what, what you, what's, what's he doing? And I don't understand this. And then I became a senior pastor. I went, oh, that's why. And now I do it to our youth pastor. And so. <laughs> what are your eyes open to? See, when our eyes are open... We learn to see further than our nose. See, if we could mature a bit more and open our eyes, maybe we'd be able to see past our own situation and circumstance, and maybe it would enable us to have better dialogue with each other. Maybe it would enable us to have greater empathy and sympathy to others who are not afforded some of the same things we have been. Maybe it would allow us to look into the eyes of another and see them as a son or a daughter of God. Maybe it would allow us to look at the world around us and be the salt and light that we've been called to be instead of the judge and the jury we so quickly try to be. Let us have our eyes open.
Let us open our eyes. Can we be that type of church? Come on, can we be the type of church that matures into a place of open eyes? Number three, shout number three. Number three, maturity directs our hands. Maturity directs our hands. Psalm 90, verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. What are you doing with your hands? This is about being generous with our time, our talent, and our treasures. We just watched that video. Come on, how many of you uh, sit, sit back like I do and I just go, oh man, this is absolutely amazing. The power that we have to change the world around us through our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I don't want to spend a massive time on this, but generosity is an attitude that is developed in the throes of grace. This is what Paul would teach. Generosity is only developed when one has experienced and been changed by the power of God's grace. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also, speaking about generosity. But I think a lot of us have an attitude about generosity many times. We can say things like this, and I've heard it a million one times, the church just wants my money. No, it doesn't. Uh-uh. Here's the well, we don't want anything from you, we want everything for you. So when we talk about money around here, there's a really good reason for it. Why? Because my Bible tells us that my heart follows that. Where my treasure is, there my heart will also be. It's interesting that we're not told that our heart directs our treasure. That the Bible actually indicates that our treasure is more powerful than our heart. That's interesting. And as a senior pastor, it gets touchy talking about this stuff, but I love to talk about it. You know why? (laughs) Because a church that's fully committed in this area gets to see things like this happen. Where our treasure is, our heart will also be. It's our emotion offering that's coming up. Listen, if the attitude is there where, oh, this is just about money and everything like that, please hear me when I say this. Do not participate. If you are a guest with us this morning, all right, please listen to what I'm saying, but there is no obligation on you whatsoever. But if you call this place home, if we're going to continue to make videos like this and create spaces and places for our hands to get involved, Maturity says that it directs our hearts, or our hands. Directs our hands. So as we get ready to give on March 26th in our motion offering, I want you to do something very important. Stop and pray about it. Stop and pray about it. For us, I know what our family's doing. We participate in this every single year. Why? Because we want to put ourselves in a place where we have to hold on to God. As we give last year, our church gave, check this out, as a three-year-old church, last year, $30,000 was given in this offering so that we could do all this stuff and more. And I'm believing that this year is no different so that we can do all the stuff, that we can seize God moments and take advantage of what he's putting in front of us so that we can do some of the vision, so that we can take that moment and that step when God says it's time to pull the trigger on redemption houses and, and do all the things that we need to do to reach people. Why? Because we've beheld what God sees for this valley and beyond and we want to be a part of it. Maturity directs our hands. Why? 
our attitude about generosity is more important than our aptitude in generosity. In other words, the attitude behind our generosity exposes the capacity of our hearts and the willingness of our hands. It's getting quiet in this church this morning. (laughs) I actually get excited for this moment that we have and many other moments. I get excited when we when we tell the missions base, you know what? Our church, we're going to build a house. Check this out. Before anything even happens in our motion offering, we're building that house. If nothing comes in on our motion offering, we're building that house. Why? Because great stewardship and an attitude of generosity means no matter what happens, we're building that house. We're building that house. But I also believe that we've got a church that's ready to seize God moments and do the miraculous. To be able to hand a family the keys and say, welcome home. Remember, the the sign on the door, it's not a mantra. It's a mandate. Welcome home. Number four, come on, every shout number four. Number four, the last one is this, is maturity moves our feet. Maturity moves our feet. Luke chapter 1, 78 through 79, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Oh, come on. How many of you know that sounds like some pretty good stuff right there? How many want their feet guided in the way of peace? Right? In other words, he guides our feet. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, he directs our feet by leading us into places and spaces that are a part of his plan and purpose for our lives. Psalm 116, 8 through 9, for you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. He keeps our feet from stumbling. How many of you like that idea? I want to not stumble in life. He keeps my feet from from stumbling. In Psalm 40, verse 2, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Making my steps secure. Maturity moves our feet. In other words, maturity means we will follow him. We will go. Can I give you a PSA this morning? Public service announcement. We don't need to pray whether we should go on that missions trip. Hey, come on. I need to pray. No, you don't. No prayer involved. Whatsoever. Why? Because he already said go. He already said go. I got a list of things he said to do. So I don't need to pray about him. Right? If my son ever came to me and said, Dad, I got to pray about this cleaning the room thing. (laughs) Oh, child, you don't need to pray about nothing. You need to pray whether you'll be living in the morning. No, he already told us. He already told us to go. Don't need to pray. I pray, my prayer is this, that our entire church at some point or another, as we move into the future, would all find themselves on a missions trip. It'll change your world. It'll change your world. It'll change your life. Remember one of the first missions trips I took to Ireland. We were, some of you are like, well, that's rough. It actually kind of was. It was pretty scary as a 15-year-old. It's amazing beauty. Our bus got stopped by militia with guns. Everybody else was scared, but all the kids, like all the guys, we were just like, this is awesome. 
But I remember standing in a, at a small church, community church there. And we were there during the time of the marches that, that happened between the different parties. And I found myself as a 15-year-old talking to a 9-year-old that I was scared of. It was project housing right next to this church. These kids were packing weapons, selling drugs at 9 years of age. 9 years of age! I didn't know I was talking to a 9-year-old. 9 years old! And it's that moment out of the whole entire mission trip that sticks out to me the most. And it's actually that moment that changed my life afterwards. It got me on the journey of really following Jesus because I looked at my life in comparison and I went, wait, what? You don't need to pray to go. Maturity says, I'm listening, I'm seeing. My hands are involved and my feet, my feet are moving. <laughs> gotta mature. Gotta grow. Many times, we don't grab a hold of what God has for us is because we're unwilling to mature. I'm going to illustrate it with a closing story. It's 15 years old. Like every 15 year old, excited for the day that he would drive a vehicle. Excited for the day that he'd be able to take his girlfriend on a date illegally against her father's wishes. But all the same. My mom had a 1989 gold Honda Accord. It was to be my car when I graduated into this new place of maturity in my life. And so one day my mom was gone. My stepfather was at home. It was me and him. And uh, he came up to me and he said, Jason, I'm going to teach you how to drive today. You want to drive? I said, Absolutely. What 15-year-old wouldn't jump at that moment? I'll let you drive today. So we hopped in the car. And uh, it's a clutch. So not only was he going to teach me how to drive, he was going to teach me how to drive with a clutch this day. So we put it into reverse, and he's barking orders at me, telling me how to drive, do this, don't, don't forget to do this. And like every 15-year-old, I was like, I know, I got it. Never driven a car before, but I got this. <laughs> right? Stacked on top of it, I was a male, so you don't like anybody telling you how to do this thing. Somehow we believe these things just like pop up in our mind, like it's the matrix, and you know how to drive, or follow directions, or anything like that. So I reversed the car, and I'm doing okay, and we got a few of the like, you know, thing. Finally, I got it backed out, and we did it going forward, and then we're off, and, and running, and it's in first gear, and I let first gear go a little far, just wanted to listen to the Honda purr, and so... Second gear, and we cruise around the neighborhood and negotiated some pretty good moments. Up a hill, pretty good hill, down a hill. I'm driving, I'm driving, and now by this point, as a 15-year-old guy driving the car for all of four and a half minutes, I got this! So my hands left 10 and 2 and went to the only place that pros drive, 12. <laughs> right? And if you're really a pro, you lean into the 12. <laughs> So I'm driving my stuff. Put your hands back on the wheel, son. <laughs> All right. We're driving. We cruise down this part of the road where it bends around the corner and our house comes in view. And I could see everything. And for some reason, this moment gets really, really nerve-wracking for me. And so we're driving, we're driving, we're driving. And things start to speed up. I went from 15 miles an hour to 20, 25, and I'm approaching our house at 35 miles an hour. And I'm driving now. <laughs> 
So, the, the house is coming up. We don't want to miss it. Oh, no, I'm going to get this. We're going we're gonna to do this. And so I start to spin the wheel in going at 35 miles an hour as I'm getting ready to negotiate this turn into our driveway. And he says, son, you got to hit the brakes. We're going too fast. And so I slammed on the clutch and I went for what I believed was the brake, but I hit the gas. Now, if you drive a clutch, I had the safety piece on, right? So all that happened when I hit the gas is it just went, rah! But when it went raw, <laughs> this boy went, yeah. <laughs> and I let go, thinking I was going to let go of the gas, I let go of the clutch. And at this point, the car took off all four cylinders of that bad boy. And we went flying up our driveway in our garage. Luckily, it was open at this point, And we had a two-foot cement wall in the garage as part of the foundation because the house went up and this is how it was in Seattle. And I drove my mom's gold 1989 Honda Accord right into that wall and I totaled the car in our garage. <laughs> this is the guy leading the charge here. <laughs> There's not many people can say they totaled their car in their garage. And it wasn't illegal because it was my property. <laughs> Didn't wear my seatbelt in that little drive. I actually, both my stepfather and myself went into the windshield. I busted my head on the windshield. Had worship practice that night. Showed up anyways because I knew she was going to be there and that's just awesome, right? And she's like... From that moment forward, my mom said, you are not driving. That was her rule. I did not get my license until when? 18 and a half. <laughs> Almost 19 years of age, I didn't get my license. She drove me around everywhere. It was weird. It was weird. It was bad. I look back across it now and I just cringe, right? I never wanted to be that guy. But my mom said, you know what, son, you're not mature enough to handle this vehicle. You're not mature enough to handle where it is that you want to go. I literally got a car after I graduated high school and my license after I graduated high school and only had a couple months before I left to college in Australia to drive this vehicle. I only drove for a few months. Why? It's maturity. Maturity. I wonder how many times we miss what God has for us because we're simply too stubborn to mature. See, he wants to give us the stuff that we can handle, but God is the great steward. And if stewardship is not able to be found, can't receive what it is he wants us to steward. I want us to think about that as we continue to go through this series. Because I know that God has got some amazing things for every single one of us, individually corporately, as a church, personally, what's going on in our lives? I know there's things in my life that I got to go, God, am I ready for this yet? Am I ready for this yet? Am I ready for this yet? 13 years it took to plant this church. Why? 13 years of me asking, am I ready? And 13 years of him saying no. But then one day, he said, go. It's time. 
My prayer for us as a church is that we would eat meat. That we would grow into everything that he has for us. In Jesus' name.